Chapter Twenty One of the Silent House. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Mary Herndon Bell. The Silent House by Fergus Hume. Chapter Twenty One. Two months pass. Unwilling to give up prosecuting the Vrain case, while the slightest hope remained of solving its mystery, Lucian sought out Link, the detective, and detailed all the evidence he had collected, since the constituted authorities had abandoned the matter. Although Mrs. Vrain and Ferrucci had exculpated themselves entirely, Denzil thought that Link, with his professional distrust and trained sense of ferreting out secrets, might discern better than himself whether such exculpations were warranted by circumstances. Link heard all that Denzil had to tell him with outward indifference and inward surprise, for while unwilling, through jealousy of an amateur, to flatter the barrister by a visible compliment, yet he silently admitted that Denzil had made his discoveries and profited by them with much acuteness. What annoyed him, however, was that the young man had pushed his inquiries to the utmost limit, and that there was no chance of any glory accruing to himself by prosecuting them further. Still, on the possibility that something might come of it, he went over the ground already traversed by the amateur detective. "'You should have told me of your intentions when Miss Vrain spoke to you in the first instance,' he said to Lucian by way of rebuke. "'As it is, you have confused the clues so much "'that I do not know which one to take. "'It seems to me that I have pursued each clue "'till fate or circumstance clipped it short,' "'retorted Lucian, nettled by this injustice. "'Mrs. Vrain has defended herself successfully, "'much in the same way as Count Ferrucci has done. "'Your only chance of getting at the truth "'lies in discovering rent.' "'and unless Rhoda helps you there, "'I do not see how you can trace the man.' "'I am of a different opinion,' said Link, "'lying freely to conceal his doubts of success in the matter. "'As you have failed through lack of experience, "'I shall attempt to unravel this skein.' "'You attempted to do so before, "'and gave it up because of the tangle,' "'said Lucian with quiet irony.' and unless you discover more than I have done, you will dismiss the matter again as impossible. So far as I can see, the mystery of Rain's death is more of a mystery than ever, and will never be solved. I'll make one last attempt to unriddle it, however, answered Link, with a confidence he was far from feeling. But, of course, not being one of your impossible detectives of fiction, I may fail." "'You are certain to fail,' said Lucian decisively. And with this disheartening prophecy he left Link to his task of, apparently, spinning ropes of sand. Whether it was that Link was so doubtful of the result as to extend little energy in the search, or whether he really found the task impossible of accomplishment, it is difficult to say. But assuredly he failed as completely as Lucian predicted— with outward zeal, he set to work, interviewed Lydia and the Italian to make certain that their defense was genuine, 
examined the Pagal family, who were dreadfully alarmed by their respectability being intruded upon by a common detective, and obtained a fresh denial from Baxter and Company's saleswoman that Ferrucci was the purchaser of the cloak. Also he cross-questioned Mrs. Ben Susan and her sharp handmaid in the most exhaustive manner, and did his best to trace out the mysterious rent who had so much to do with the matter. He even called on Dr. Jorce at Hampstead to satisfy himself as to the actual time of Ferrucci's arrival in that neighborhood on Christmas Eve. But here he received a check, for Jorce had gone abroad on his annual holiday and was not expected back for a month. In fact, Link did all that a man could do to arrive at the truth, only to find himself at the end of his labors in the same position as Lucian had been. Disgusted at this result, he threw up his brief and called upon Diana and Denzil, with whom he had previously made an appointment, to notify them of his inability to bring the matter to a satisfactory conclusion. "'There is not the slightest chance of finding the assassin of Mr. Vrain,' said Link, after he had set forth at length his late failures. "'The more I go into the matter, the more I see it.' Yet. "'You were so confident of doing more than I,' said Lucian quietly. Link turned sulkily after the fashion of a bad loser. "'I did my best,' he retorted gloomily. "'No man can do more. "'Some crimes are beyond the power of the law to punish for sheer lack of proof. "'This is one of them. "'And so far as I can see, this unknown assassin will be punished on Judgment Day, not before.' "'Then you don't think that Signor Ferrucci is guilty?' said Diana. "'No. He has had nothing to do with the matter, nor has Mrs. Vrain brought about the death in any way.' "'You cannot say who killed my father?' "'Not for certain. But I suspect Rent.' "'Then why not find Rent?' asked Diana bluntly. "'He has hidden his trail too well,' began Link, "'and, and, and if you did find him—' finished Denzil coolly, he might prove himself guiltless after the fashion of Mrs. Vrain and Ferrucci. He might, sir. There is no knowing. But since you think I have done so little, Mr. Denzil, let me ask you who it is you suspect. Dr. Jorce of Hampstead. Pooh, pooh, cried Link with contempt. He didn't kill the man. How could he? "'seeing that he was at Hampstead on that Christmas Eve midnight "'as I found out from his servants. "'I don't suspect him of actually striking the blow,' replied Lucian. "'But I believe he knows who did.' "'Not he. "'Dr. Jorce has too responsible a position "'to mix himself up in a crime from which he gains no benefit.' "'Why, what position does he hold?' He is the owner of a private lunatic asylum. Is it likely that a man like him would commit a murder? Again, I deny that he did commit the crime, but I am certain from the very fact of his friendship with Ferrucci that he knows more than he chooses to tell. Why should the Italian be intimate with the owner of a private asylum, with a man so much beneath him in rank? I don't know, sir. "'But if you suspect Dr. Jorce, you had better see him when he comes back from his holidays, in a month.' "'Where is he now?' "'In Italy, and the Count has gone with him.' Diana and Lucian looked at one another 
and the former spoke. "'That is strange,' she said. "'I agree with Mr. Denzil. It is peculiar, to say the least of it, that an Italian noble should make a bosom friend of a man so far inferior to him in position. Don't you think so yourself, Mr. Link?' Madam, said Link gravely, I think nothing about it, save that you will never find out the truth. I have tried my best and failed, and I am confident enough in my own power to say that where I have failed, no one else will succeed. Miss Vrain, Mr. Denzil, I wish you good day. And with this bragging speech, which revealed the hurt vanity of the man, Mr. Link took his departure. Lucian held his peace, for in the face of this desertion of a powerful ally, he did not know what to say. Diana walked to the sitting-room window and watched Link disappear into the crowd of passers-by. At that she heaved a sigh, for with him, she thought, went every chance of learning the truth, since if he, an experienced person in such matters, turned back from the quest, there could assuredly be no help in any one not professional and with less trained abilities. Then she turned to Lucian. "'There is nothing more to be done, I suppose,' said she, sighing again. "'I am afraid not,' replied Lucian dismally, for he was quite of her opinion regarding the desertion of the detective. "'Then I must leave this unknown assassin to the punishment of God,' said Diana quietly. "'And I can only thank you for all you have done for me, Mr. Denzil, and say—' she hesitated and blushed, then added with some emphasis, "'Say au revoir.' "'Ah!' ejaculated Denzil, with an indrawn breath of relief. "'I am glad you did not say good-bye.' "'I don't wish to say it, Mr. Denzil. "'I have not so many friends in the world "'that I can afford to lose so good a one as yourself.' "'I am content,' said Lucian softly, "'that you should think of me as your friend.' for the present. His meaning was so unmistakable that Diana, still blushing and somewhat confused, hastened to prevent his saying more at so awkward a moment. Then, as my friend, I hope you will come and see me at Berwin Manor. I shall be delighted. When do you go down? Within a fortnight. I must remain that time in town to see my lawyer about the estate left by my poor father. "'And see Mrs. Vrain?' "'No,' replied Diana coldly. "'Now that my father is dead, Mrs. Vrain is nothing to me. "'Indirectly I look upon her as the cause of his death, "'for if she had not driven both of us out of our own home, "'my father might have been alive still. "'I shall not call on Mrs. Vrain, "'and I do not think she will dare to call on me.' "'I'm not so sure of that,' rejoined Lucian who was well acquainted with the lengths to which Mrs. Vrain's audacity would carry her. But let us dismiss her with all your other troubles. May I call on you again before you leave town? Occasionally, replied Diana, smiling and blushing, and you will come down to Berwin Manor when I send you an invitation. I should think so, said Denzil in high glee, as he rose to depart. And now I will say, Good-bye said Miss Vrain, holding out her hand. No, I will use your own form of farewell. Au revoir. Then Lucian went out from the presence of his beloved, 
exulting that she had proved so kind as not to dismiss him when she no longer required his services. In another woman he would not have minded such ingratitude. But had Diana banished him thus, he would have been miserable beyond words. Also, as Lucian joyfully reflected, her invitation to Berwin Manor showed that, far from wishing to lose sight of him, she desired to draw him into yet closer intimacy. There could be nothing but good resulting from her invitation and his acceptance, and already Denzil looked forward to some bright summer's day in the green and leafy country when he should ask this goddess among women to be his wife. If encouragement and looks and blushes went for anything, he hardly doubted the happy result. In the meantime, while Lucia dreamed his dreams, Diana, also dreaming in her own way, remained in town and attended to business. She saw her lawyers and had her affairs looked into, so that when she went to Bath she was legally installed as the mistress of Berwin Manor and its surrounding acres. As Lucian hinted, Lydia did indeed try to see her stepdaughter. She called twice, and was refused admission into Diana's presence. She wrote three times, and received no reply to her letters. So the consequence was that, finding Diana declined to have anything to do with her in any way whatsoever, she became very bitter. This feeling she expressed to Lucian, whom she one day met in Piccadilly. "'As if I had done anything,' finished Lydia, after a recital of all her grievances. "'I call it real mean. Don't you think so, Mr. Denzil?' "'If you ask me, Mrs. Vrain,' said Lucian stiffly, I think you and Miss Vrain are better apart. Of course you defend her, but I guess I can't blame you, as I know what you're driving at. What about Signor Ferrucci? asked Denzil, parrying. Oh, we are good friends still, but nothing more. As he proved that he did not kill Mark, I have no reason to give him his walking ticket. But, added Mrs. Vrain dryly, I guess you'll be married to Diana before I hitch up alongside Air Cole. How do you know I shall marry Miss Vrain? asked Lucian, flushing. If you saw your face in a glass, you wouldn't ask, I guess. Tomatoes ain't in it for redness. I won't dance at your wedding, and I won't break my heart either. And with a gay nod, Mrs. Lydia Vrain tripped away, evidently quite forgetful of the late tragedy in her life. End of chapter 21